We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey guys, you're listening to the uh, Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. I'm Don Maeda, and I'm joined today by uh, uh, Ryan and Brandy Ragland, who uh, were basically changing the face of our sport from uh, from a couple years ago on forward. Um, Ryan is uh, the inventor of the Stasic Stability Cycle. Um, unless you've uh, <laughs> unless you've been paying no attention at all, I'm sure you've seen uh, little guys cruising around on the uh, 12 and 12 and 16 inch uh, uh, electric motor powered little two wheel balance things. So, yep. um, so man, Ryan, let's let's start off with like, uh, wow. I'm dating myself here, but back in the Transworld days, I met you and you worked at KTM. Were you on the race team or were you always R&D? So, um, I started 19, end of 1999, Regis Harrington, mm-hmm. um, covert camera vehicles. Um, we were actually uh, neighbors in El Cajon, mm-hmm. and I was going to school, and he's like, hey, dude, like, I got this ride at KTM. You want to be my mechanic? Mm-hmm. I'm like... I was kind of going to school, yeah. <laughs> kind of trying to figure that piece out, and um, went and met Selvaraj at KTM. Uh, started working there in end of '99. Um, ended up not even working for Andy because he kept getting hurt. And I, um, my I worked with Roderick Tane um, mm-hmm. from France, and then ended up getting connected with Ping in the first part of 2001. And about that time, um, Rod Bush was able to, you know, I was talking with him and he allowed me to basically go back and finish my degree mm-hmm. and I moved over into media relations with Tom Moen, um, mm. probably middle of 2001. So I, I was doing media relations with Tom, mm-hmm. finished my degree up and I think in 2000, end of 2002, I finished my degree and then we kind of officially started the R&D program here in the States, mm-hmm. you know, on a more formal, formal plan um, for KTM through end of 2011 mm-hmm. um wow. whole process yeah so you, you did start off on the racing side because I, I remember yeah. we did uh at transrail we used to do those like mechanical how-to yep. tips i distinctly remember doing one with you yeah i don't recall what the tip was but uh yeah so you were uh on the racing circuit for what like two three years only uh, yeah probably two years um i wouldn't say it necessarily left because they they provided a, a pretty cool way for us to um move forward um, working with Austria because we were so young with the infancy with PDS and the chassis. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of my job was really to go and challenge all the norms that we had in the company from mm-hmm. a racing standpoint. And so I started with Chris Kiefer, um, brought him on, and we went and did a few supercrosses. But then um, Mike's leader, I hired mm-hmm. Mike, and we went racing in the full transparency to go and figure out what works and what didn't work, mm-hmm. right? in the real in the real world um from a racing standpoint and you know we had to figure out how to get mike to go through the whoops on our bike and (laughs) so that you know like we were doing things that um we had the opportunity to do because there was no 
you know, definite failure, you know, it was more exploratory stuff. So it was, it was a really cool experience to be able to have kind of complete autonomy to go and try stuff. Yeah. You know, um, okay. So we're, today we are at Fox Raceway for the, uh, the launch of the licensed KTM and Husqvarna Stasic bikes. And during the intro, you got up there and you were talking about starting at KTM and in the not so great years, right? But like, so the KTMs have always been super fast, but the years of no linkage, I think, uh, were probably the darker years you were referring to, but yeah, well, yeah, I actually just had a conversation with Tom Mullen yesterday. Um, you're in this industry, right? And you get so focused on trying to accomplish your little goals and, Mm -hmm. you know, you work a million hours and hyper-focused. I left in 2011 to go do some medical device stuff, but I had the opportunity to take a look at what I had done at KTM and I was actually riding more and just looking at different things. And one of the things I kind of came across um, looking over the sequence was PDS might not have been the worst thing Mm -hmm. and the problem with what it was, but I kind of started equating everything down to frequency, right? So I think we'd all agree if we took a, if we took the vet track here at Paula, ripped it up and put 80 pros on it for four hours, the track looks a certain way. Mm -hmm. If we rip it up again and put 80 vets on it, it looks completely different. Yeah. And the pro's bike is not going to work on the vet guy's Mm -hmm. track and the vet guy's bike isn't going to work on the pro guy's track. So for me, it kind of started coming down to, we were battling what I think was some frequency stuff where there wasn't enough PDSs in the motocross world Mm -hmm. to really make the bumps. Mm -hmm. And it was different enough that we were just always outside of the circle. So then when you take a look at how to go racing, you know, I think you have to be in a circle Mm -hmm. and you'll have to allow the rider and, you know, help him where he needs or you know expand on his strengths but you can't be too far out of a of an envelope and mm-hmm. i think that's what we were battling a lot with with the pds they've done some amazing things with the frame and that's where we started you know really exploring of like how do we do things with the frame to make mm-hmm. the suspension less critical and and all that stuff and you know the bikes now are are incredible from when yeah when we were doing but stuff. see your role of uh evolved into full-on R&D because I remember and the thing too is you're a really good rider like so you had a racing history yourself yeah. I'm sure but I mean it was it was probably uh, an advantage of sorts to be the guy the engineer that's coming up with ideas and testing things and being able to test it yourself at a high level yeah well that's that's where it all started right so I left Montana to come down here and race and you know you end up getting hurt and there's only one there's only one champ right mm-hmm. and so everyone else has to figure out plan b well plan b was actually my plan a which was to be an engineer mm-hmm. came back so i moved over into media relations in 2000 end of 2001 and tom and that group was was basically kind of being the r&d program at that point anyway so i was literally like well i'm gonna learn how to do this mm-hmm. i would show up at elsinore with 10 shocks in the back of the truck and i would just swap shocks all day long and i was like okay if i do this you know you take all the thin the shim theory and you're like okay fine that's what it is mm-hmm. you do the dyno work and like well i can't tell the difference on the dyno but they feel different yeah right and so i took an approach from like what is real what do we need to do what does the theory say and figure out what to do because you only have so many levers at any job that you're doing to to pull so mm-hmm. what levers do you have to pull and 
that was just where I, you know, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp of how to communicate with people mm-hmm. during testing because hard means a hundred different things to a hundred different people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a good, a good suspension chassis guy is going to be the guy who can actually get the information from out of the test rider, out of the test rider yeah. and go and make a change. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I had a, I think I had a leg up initially cause I just did, I tried a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, you've made mention of, uh, going in the medical field. Uh, what prompted that change from motorcycle industry guy? Yeah. I mean, I was growing a family with my wife, Brandy and I was at KTM and, you know, I think John Eric and the crew wanted me to be, you know, more than what I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't too excited to be in the office a lot more, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I was just at a point in my career where, you know, I don't think I understood what I really wanted. I just felt like I was looking for something different and, um, yeah, it was just time to go do, go do something different. Um, met some, met my partners who I started a Stasic with, um, and we started, I was like their first engineer and we built that company up. Um, when I went there in 2011 and was just, you know, taking, it it was kind of the same thing that I was doing at KTM. I was taking Mm -hmm. notes from a doctor who was telling me how, how all this was in his words. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go watch him do a procedure. And what he was telling me wasn't what, (laughs) what he was doing. doing, So then it, so it was literally, what is the test? You know, what is my subject telling me? Mm -hmm. What is the problem we're trying to solve? And what tools do I have? And so we, you know, we did some really cool stuff um, while I was there at, at Rev1. Um, and quite honestly, it just gave me some time to to think. And we happened to have Robbie. W- Robbie was born in 2010. I left in 2011. Mm-hmm. He was two or three. And I had capability to make some widgets. Yeah. <laughs> and they happened to turn out to be this little bike we call Stasic. Nice. So, Brandy, when... Uh when Ryan left KTM to go work for the uh, the medical company, was there a sigh of relief as a wife having your <laughs> husband not riding motorcycles for Absolutely. a living? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the funny part about that statement is I rode more. So at that point, I started riding more since I left. Yeah. He was uh, working less. Yeah. So he had more time. And I was enjoying riding. That was mm-hmm. the funniest part. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, you know, I heard you tell the story. Um, like you'd recap that a little bit, but... What an idea, man. I mean, you know, obviously the uh, the balance bike was out by then, right? And uh, you, you took it one step further. Well, yeah. ironically, the Robbie's first balance bike was a KTM Strider. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, was a KTM licensed Strider, yeah. yep. right? <laughs> yeah. And he was one years old, and he, he wasn't at KTM anymore once he started riding it. Yeah. And he was obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it came from. And then fast forward to him doing the medical device but even the rc cars yeah there was there's a bunch of pieces that you know so uh, growing up in montana montana never mm-hmm. had rc cars right so mm-hmm. i'm with eight or nine grown 40 year old engineers <laughs> our shop happens to be across the street from um, a hobby store okay. so the next thing i know we all have rc cars mm-hmm. and i'm like oh that's kind of funny but i'm watching these rc cars jump 50 feet with like a four you know, four, four foot run off of ramps, you know, mm-hmm. we're just don't know what we're doing. And I, that's literally where I'm like, wow, those things are pretty powerful. Right. And then mm-hmm. we're into lipo batteries and kind of this whole piece. And 
you know, Robbie is screaming at the TV with races. And I mean, he's my little buddy, like watching races with uh-huh. me at like two years old, like into it. And we had the PW from his older brother in the, in the garage. And he's just like, I want to ride. And I'm like, you can't touch the ground, dude. You're like SOL. Right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm not doing training wheels. I'm not, you know, like, yeah. no, we're just not, not into it. And you know, she wasn't, you know, so Brandy take five steps back was, you know, in my life when we were all trying to race. Mm-hmm. And so she's watched our whole El Cajon crew you be and broken. And yeah. Just <laughs> everyone be broken. So she's like, yeah, I'm not too big of a fan to let my kid go yeah. know, break himself. Cause her, her view of motorcycling was at a pretty high level. Right. Yeah. Um, it was if they wanted to ride, they're going to go race supercross. Yeah. So for my three-year-old, I was <laughs> like, I can heal my husband or help him heal. I am not doing that to my kid, you know, but <laughs> he you worked know? on me for a while. <laughs> yeah. And um, so he's he's watching all this stuff, and he's, I mean, he's literally jumping off the couch with his strider, right? Like, mm-hmm. just carrying that thing around. His neck is, he's got a full-face helmet on, because that was my other thing. I'm like... No, I want your teeth. I want you to have teeth. So you're <laughs> going to wear a full face helmet, right? And, you know, I always get a lot of flack from the bike guys because they're like, oh, it's a full face. I'm like, yeah, but I like his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was just a, um, an opportunity where I, going back to, I was, you know, at KTM, I was observing people all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Always trying to figure out how to bring engineering into it. But sometimes you just don't have time, you know, at the, trying to do data acquisition back in 2006 and 2007 was like <laughs> a really time consuming event. Right. And you mm-hmm. didn't, at the end of the day, you didn't get a ton of stuff out of it. Right. So I became an observer and I'm observing my kid not being able to do a PW and like, then I have these RC car things. And then I'm like, well, if I take a drill and an RC car battery and I throw it on here, what happens? Right. Mm-hmm. And we literally hacked it off and, tack welded some stuff on and i got a little arduino board so i'm a mechanical engineer not an electrical and Mm -hmm. you know i'm reading my coding books like it's been a while right yeah and i i got a picture of it and i you know i sent brandy a thing on the on a phone video yeah and it's like oh i got it to work right i think it's gonna work is what you said (laughs) yeah i think (laughs) think it's it's gonna gonna work work. And I bring it home, and, you know, little dude's eyes are just, like, popping out of his head, like, my first motorcycle. Did, did you take his existing Strider and do this to it? So, William, no. yeah, so. No, it was the PETA. It was a, yeah, he wouldn't pedal. No, Robbie wouldn't pedal. He loved his Strider. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a mom, my kid's not doing what he's supposed to do. I went to Walmart and got a Pastrana bike. So, <laughs> yeah. pedal bike with training wheels. And I thought, well, if I can get him to at least pedal. Developmentally, he's got to be doing this. And he got on it, and he's like, nope. He tried to twist yeah. the handlebar, and yeah. he's like, this isn't going to work. He would not pedal. And yeah. so he just always went back to his strider. Mm-hmm. And you took the pedals off that no, so I took bike. But I took the pedals off William's Yamaha bike that was yeah. sun-faded from. Yep. So y- there's a Yamaha bike sold at Walmart that, that was has, like, fairings on it, right? Okay. Yeah. It's got that like, little seat. It's a little 12-inch bike. Yep. And I cut that thing out. So it had, like, a fender and looked like a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So when I brought it home, like, he was pumped that's <laughs> so yeah. pumped right yep. and then it worked and it was pretty comical because that you know there were no brakes on it and you know like i mean it was crude like it was just like does this power him enough yeah type of test and so then we went back and um we had to change the battery yeah I, I made it, so yeah so that was the, my story is we have differing stories because i remember being in the garage and i asked her hey can you charge this for robbie because 
he wants to ride. And so granted, I have two RC car batteries duct taped on the rear fender and there's mm-hmm. wires coming out of it and the RC car charging systems, right? There's wires everywhere. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, no. oh heck no. <laughs> like, I'm not charging that. My, I remember looking at the, De- you know, we had a DeWalt battery right there. I'm like, well, would you charge that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's and how it started. Mm. And she's like, yeah, I'd charge that. It just clips in. So version two was a that was a DeWalt battery. Wow. Um, on the thing, and that's kind of how we pieced that together. Okay, so how many of them did you make and refine before you thought I'm going to take these to production? So right about that time. Um, we made the second one, and the second one, Robbie was riding around the cul-de-sac a lot, and that's where you know the lady, the lady came up, and I thought she was going to yell at me for <laughs> endangering my kid, and she's like, "I need three because I got three grandkids, right?" And uh-huh. that was that happened like two or three times over a span of two or three months in the cul-de-sac, and so I started having conversations with Phil and Eric from Rev One, like, "Hey, you know, I ain't got no money." Um, and Rev One is the medical. R- Rev One was the medical um, engineering company. Okay. Um, and so they, you know, we we came to an agreement, and they were they were happy to fund fund a lot of this, you know. And mm-hmm. we were making stuff out of the back of the shop, you know. We were a development company, so we had resources and stuff. So we made made that first one, the geometry, you know. I'm observing. I'm like, oh, I need to make some, need to change it. Right? Mm-hmm. Can't keep the same thing. Um, so we made another version. Um, and we made three of those, all the same. And then we went, and the goal was, like, figure out what we could get it made for. So we took that to Taiwan, and it didn't really look like a bike at that point. Mm-hmm. Like a like a bicycle with the round tubing and stuff. And kind of got the hand of, like, well, we don't make that stuff. Mm. And so, like, well, what if I make it look like a bike? Uh-huh. And as soon as I changed the frame to look like a bike... All of a sudden, we had a whole bunch of people who was like, oh, no, we can make that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so then we started getting quotes and, um, yeah, got – we had a, a really key key contact who was working in um, South Korea at the time. And mm-hmm. he was jumping over to Taiwan on the weekends and kind of put um, some vendors together. And um, that was pretty much it. We, then we, you know, developed all the plastics and mm-hmm. – Got her going end of 2016. Okay, so 2016, the first Stasic for sale comes out, right? Yeah. Was it received like gangbusters right from the get-go? So we... Or like how many did you make in the first production? So we made 450 in the first production. Mm-hmm. Um, we were supposed to get them the end of November coming into Christmas. So mm-hmm. we were pre-selling and I think we pre-sold probably 90% of it. Mm-hmm. Um and then the container didn't show up till the 23rd. Oh, jeez. So, you know, as parents of four, yeah. we're like in full-blown freak-out mode of like, how do we get people Christmas there? Christmas Day, yeah. Christmas, you know, like, you know, because we were stressed because it's like, dude, it, we felt like we were asking a ton of money for the, the product, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and we didn't know what it was going to be received as, let alone it's our first container. Mm-hmm. So we're running all over San Diego delivering bikes. So we shipped what we could out, and then we just delivered all the local stuff by hand on the next day. And, I mean, we, yeah. had, we had people running everywhere. And um, we get done, and then it was like, oh, that was cool. And then it was like, 
Well, I hope we don't have any problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, Christmas morning, you sat, he went on Instagram, he's like, all Christmas morning, you know, usually I'm like, family, this is our time, but he was just like, what are they going to post? <laughs> right? Like. And they were all good. They were, they were so they were positive. Good, right. Mm-hmm. And so then we make it through the first of the year, and then it was like, well, we sold it. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> was, the, was the first one a 12 or 16? Or did you both. do both right off I did both. So the very, fir- the very first one was always a 16. Mm-hmm. Um, then I made the, the sequence of three. So I made the really hack one was a 12. Sorry. The really the piece together one was a, mm-hmm. was a 12. Then I made Robbie the 16. Then I made another, like my Gen 2 ones were, um, I made three of each. I made a three 12s and three um, 16s. Mm-hmm. Thomas, who's two years younger than Robbie, um, went through the whole process. So I, you know, I was working through how do how do we do this, um, you know, and it was like, well, if you can push and coast, then you should be able to do the the power and not mm-hmm. take their feet away, right? The whole the whole concept was to keep their feet on the ground. So Thomas was actually walking through this whole process. So he did the push and coast thing, and then like literally it. I think a little bit before he was two years old, he, he, he's a big kid. Like Mm -hmm. he was like 120 percentile. So with that said, he could handle kind of everything at two, but he was, he was going at like two years old, just circulating. And Mm -hmm. it was, I was like, well, I always, I was always taking stuff that Robbie was doing at the time is like, Oh, he's amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as you work through this whole kids thing, right? Like I, I love parents who are, totally into their kids because that's yeah. how we should be but then you start to realize we're all kind of the same and mm-hmm. my kid was awesome you know <laughs> but now you know i i see the stuff that stasic was that the stasic allowed robbie to do he just did it at he was the first one to go through it so it always looked impressive because no one else had really had that opportunity to to perform on yeah. that vehicle but now i see all sorts of kids doing the exact same thing mm-hmm. so thomas was excelling quote unquote mm-hmm. because i'd never seen it before but now it's just, yeah, Robbie Robbie just did it earlier. Now I see it's pretty re- repetitive, mm-hmm. right? Like the bike allows kids to do things a lot younger than we normally were thinking about it at the time. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time I saw a Strider, I was like, good God, that's teaching kids balance so early, right? Yeah. And then you dropped Stasic and I'm like, wow. I mean, even, you know, four or five years ago, I was like, that thing is going to change motocross because more kids are going to be riding. More kids are going to be riding peewees and, and, you know, we're going to have lifelong motorcyclists out of this. So have you taken a step back and thought, wow, I've invented something that's changed this sport I grew up in? Yeah. I mean, like we battle it, right? So, you know, 2018 was a pretty crazy year we had success in 2017 and we were growing and we were talking with all of a sudden everyone was kind of interested, right? Mm -hmm. Like 2017, the aim, like we had dealers, like we were starting to do it and then people were coming. So we get through the, we start the conversation with HD, which started as like, Hey, how can we help? When then it turned into like, well, we just want to do the whole thing and, Mm -hmm. and be a part of this. And that was hard, right? Like that was, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm not really a business guy, and there was money involved. And, yeah, and Harley know, Davidson wants to buy you. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, there was a ton of stress on it, right? And I, you know, so we we, we do the deal. Super stressful. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that was the most fun 
thing that happened at all only because of just the stress of trying to make it all work right and so now we're you know talking you know we're, we're in texas and we're very blessed and i'm like well why why me right because i had so many things happen that if one or two of them don't happen like we're not we're not doing what we're doing right and mm-hmm. now i'm starting to be more comfortable with this position i've been put in mm-hmm. right um you know, I don't, I don't see too many other people who like really have would, would be able to take this on from the the core that I have. Right, I literally just made it for my kid, mm-hmm. and now I do, I do fully embrace the fact that I have this chance to make a massive impact on our industry. Right, mm-hmm. this industry brought me to California. This industry introduced me to my wife. This industry supported me and my family. Right. Like mm-hmm. everything I have right now is because of this industry. Yeah. We were able to take something that I made for my kid and we have a little ranch in Texas. Right. And I still got to work, you know, and we still got to pay bills and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. we did something cool. Yeah. Who else is going to sit here and try and champion this just because of the industry? Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I'm working in I'm working with bigger um, corporate people and bigger companies and you know they have thing they, they have goals to that they need to achieve to go make money to make the company run I totally I totally get that right my goals are to figure out how to impact the industry mm-hmm. and, and I, I think it's not just from the industry standpoint it's from a parent standpoint the the feeling he has when Robbie did it and then Thomas did it he wants other parents to feel that yeah. so it's more the feeling and, and I think the industry that wasn't the first thought of making it grow was like how can I get other parents to feel this Mm -hmm. and so to see that I think is the drive of like the side effect is the industry growing but the heart is helping parents and helping kids Mm -hmm. yeah it's been the things that have started to happen because of this I would couldn't have never envisioned right um at one point we went and did the K66 foundation fundraiser and we did Mm -hmm. an activation and we got done with that and I told everyone, I don't ever want to do another activation again <laughs> for this reason. I felt it was the parents' experience that they should, they, the parents should have that experience with their kid and not me. Because mm-hmm. it was like teaching, I was teaching kids to ride motorcycles and I would be like, this is going to happen in like five seconds. Do you want to get your phone out? Because like I'm going to teach yeah. you how to ride. And, and it would happen and you would see like the parents go, oh, that really just happened. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I know, you know, and I wanted it to be what I had had at home in yeah. my environment, which is totally different than in these big wow, things. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm at this point where like, okay, you know, it's great that we do the activation, but I really want it to be that connection with the, the parent. Yeah. And I think that's the power of what our bike allows is, you know, especially for the people in the industry you can connect down to every single feeling that that kid is having on that bike and you mm-hmm. instantly go, well, wait until you do this, right? <laughs> and you're just waiting for your little guy to make that next little little movement, right? Mm-hmm. And then you then we add in all the, you know, secondary pieces of some of the special needs stuff that's happened because our bike is easier. And I mean, you know, we have a we have family members with, with some stuff and the Stasic is, you know, changing their lives right because mm-hmm. it allows them to to participate with the other kids that mm-hmm. you know like it, it's just been pretty amazing to see um all the different things that we've been able to do mm-hmm. 
Hey SWAT Moto listeners, this is Zach Osborne, rider for the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory racing team. I love my FC 450 race bike, but I also love the FC 350. It has the handling of a 250 and the power of a 450, making it the perfect bike for both professional and amateur riders. Right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles is giving SWAT Moto listeners 1,500 reasons to get a brand new FC 350. Hurry into your local authorized Husqvarna Motorcycles dealer to find out more on the limited time offers available to get you on the track today. For over six decades, Scott Motorsports has pushed the limits of innovation, providing our customers with the most advanced technology available. Scott is honored to be the exclusive eyewear sponsor of the SWAT Moto Live podcast. Athletes such as Chad Reed, Justin Barsha, and myself, Adam Ciantrillo, require the best performance, which is why we choose the Scott Prospect Goggle. Recognized as the number one goggle in racing, Scott is proud to be made in the USA. Check out scott-sports.com to see their complete line of high-performance goggles. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer, and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So, yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails. Or if you want to go a bit further, longer and faster, they, they just brought out a new Taser e-bike, which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. Hi, uh, I'm Mitch Payton from Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki team, and I uh, just want to give a shout out to Throttle Syndicate. Um, it's a new name, but it's the same company that's been around for uh, 30 years. We've been with them since the very beginning in 1991, and they're a big part of why our bikes always look the way they do. We're really proud to have them involved, and hopefully they have a good year. Visit ThrottleSyndicate.com to view the full range of customizable graphic kits, gripper seat covers, sticker kits, and more. Use promo code SWATMOTOLIVE at checkout for a 20% discount off your order. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Live podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey everyone, Don Moetta here. Over the past 20 years, I've built a ton of cool motocross project bikes. When it comes to choosing a great wheel set, my first call is always to the crew at WUSA. Importers and distributors of Talon, Kite, Han, and Edge Hubs, the wheel building team at W is unrivaled when it comes to lacing them up to DID or Excel rims. Let's be honest now, next cleaning air filters or changing oil. Tightening spokes is one of the most tedious jobs when it comes to working on your bike. When it comes to wheel sets from W though, you know that they'll stay straight and true and the spokes will almost always stay tight. There's a reason that factory teams and top riders everywhere rely on W. When it comes to anything wheel related, your one-stop shop is WUSA.com. Check them out. How different is the uh, is the bike now from three years ago? Say, has it evolved? So, at all? so we just came out with the brushless, which I wish we would have done a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went through three months of 
really s- rigorous <laughs> um, liability and you know stuff with HD. Um, I get pretty stoked to say that you know we changed a few stickers, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I did. I think I did a pretty good job up front, and I'd equate that back to the way we approached it from the medical device side. So we were we were designing medical devices to go into animals to eventually humans, right? Mm-hmm that have never been designed before. So how do you do that? There's mm-hmm. no, there's no path, yeah. right? So you have to basically go through and analyze all the risks, all the, all the common ways and do your mitigations and, you know, basically create your dossier that says this is good to go. Mm-hmm. That's how we approached this bike. And by doing it that way, you know, we were able to kind of pave our own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, lots of people looking at it and we came out pretty pretty good like mm-hmm. we didn't have our stickers correct <laughs> <laughs> you know what i think is cool is uh okay for instance my my test rider is here today mm-hmm. two of them are uh my neighbor's grandkids right so i grew up with their dad i mean i didn't grow up with that i watched him grow up you know i yep. moved into the house 20 years ago and he was like six right you know and now he's full grown he has kids of his own and you know, they come back to visit grandparents here and there, and they're always, oh, hey, Mr. Don, hi. And well, hey. And I just hear, Gene. And I'm all, that's a Stasic. And I look out, and his little boy is just ripping up and down our street on it. And I'm all, yeah, Stasic. Because yeah. when they were little, I was always trying to get my neighbors to let me take them riding motorcycles and stuff. And they played around on a quad, and he got hurt. And so they were just done with it, right? But so I'm like, hey. That's that Stasic thing, and they're oh yeah, it's the best. And I go, I know the guy who invented that. <laughs> I felt like <laughs> such a cool guy, you That's know. That's neat. But uh, the the rad thing is that um, his wife, the mother, she's the one who takes them around primarily. She lay, loads it out of the SUV and stuff. But I mean, it's a great mom-child thing. Absolutely, and and I think seeing that, you know. The whole reason he designed it was the safety feature. Mm -hmm. But then as it came to be and we would go places, it was doable for the mom. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to load up Robbie's dirt bike. You know, Robbie rides dirt bikes now and Thomas. I'm not going to load those up. I'm Mm -hmm. not skilled enough. One, it's heavy. At the time, I think I had a Prius and I could load two Stasics in it and go to soccer and baseball. Mm -hmm. And so it was mom friendly. I could charge the battery. When my kid does fall, they just tip over. It's Mm -hmm. not that intimidating even for the moms. Mm -hmm. So the moms being able to do it was a big thing I think for us too because it incorporates a whole family it wasn't dad just leaving on a Saturday or Sunday to go to the track mm-hmm. it's okay we're going to baseball or wherever and bring the bike with you for mm-hmm. the younger kids yeah my side my side motive right for Robbie was you know I was I was watching um, Deegan's Instagram and watching what he was doing with Hayden I was like man if if I had the resources I would probably do it very similar. Like I fully respected how he was approaching with Hayden, right? Like mm-hmm. you could see the progression and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's, that's legit because it was all about for me, like looking from the outside, I don't, I don't know, but it was all about repetition, challenging the skill at proper levels, right? And not, mm-hmm. not biting off too much, right? But giving him those stepping stones. And I was like, well, if Robbie wants to ride, like how am I going to get him seat time? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I always felt, I started riding late and I just felt like I, you know, I quote unquote ran out of talent, but my whole theory on talent was you just want it bad enough that you do it enough to where you get really skilled Mm 
Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden people go, oh, you're so talented. I'm like, no, I just worked really, (laughs) really hard and got really skilled at something, right? Yeah. And so my question was to myself was like, well, how do I get him skill? How do I get little Robbie skill without having the resources of, um, you know, that that Deegan had at the time? And part of it was, well, I got to work. So I need him to either be somewhat self-sufficient or, you know, mama's got to be able to take him places and Mm -hmm. it wasn't going to be to a track like i knew i knew at that time that wasn't going to be it and so right it was a lot of my motivation was like how do i make it to where he can manage it right Mm -hmm. or mom can help right but it's very limited in in what was required of mom um and now you see it right like you know never supposed to say it but dude our kids have been changing batteries since they were like five four right like <laughs> Three, yeah they figured out how to get them on right yeah. batteries are like <laughs> yeah might as well be money um, yeah um any uh any plans to make a 20 inch or one with forks i mean uh, there's kids airing them out out there today and yeah i mean um we're working on some stuff you know my my view of the whole thing was is we built we built something pretty cool for my kid who was three to four at the time mm-hmm. and everyone seems to like it, but he's now 10. Mm-hmm. So if I make something that keeps him interested, there's probably a good shot. Everyone else will find it interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working down some stuff with that. Um, should be good here in the next. Yeah, it, 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 it's coming. We're just working on it. Sometimes a little slower than you want it to be. Yeah. Um, you know, the part of me gets a little nervous. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to jump into this stuff too early. The bigger sizes, because I feel like there's still enough pushback from people not being aware. Right? Mm. When people see the little kids, they instantly take the level of aggression down about a hundred yeah. notches. Right? It's cute. It's cute. Mm. Right? Um, and so I am a little concerned about how we manage. Um, the bigger bikes with the bigger kids with, mm-hmm. you know, they're older and a little more independent, and <laughs> you know? Um, and so that, that was, I wouldn't say that was part of the thing that was holding us from moving forward quickly, but mm-hmm. it really didn't motivate, you know, I wasn't like, yeah, I should go build a whole bunch of big stuff right now just <laughs> to like, you know, cause I, I want to establish what we're doing and yeah. then try and figure out how to channel these in the right direction. Cause I want to be conscious of what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, I look at all these industries, you know, outside of moto that we, we can go play in and you know, a lot of them are just resistant to change, right? Yeah. People in general don't like to change at all, right? There has to be some motivation. And until you kind of present viable options for them and allow them to understand what you're doing, you know, cause it still drives me crazy that, you know, we get some so much pushback from the mountain bike or e-bike space. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you guys don't get it, right? Like, you're not going to go set a Strava time with your four-year-old, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, yeah. but, but I, you know, I did this. I literally did this um, with my brother-in-law. We went up to Mount Laguna when Robbie was five. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, about, you know, I put like five batteries in my backpack because I didn't know where we were going. Yeah. We went to the top of the hill and... You know, he led us through 10 miles of single track, right? Mm-hmm. With a five-year-old. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is stupid. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, putting all these, you know, I had water and <laughs> batteries. And I'm like, this is going to suck. And then we're cruising along and I'm laughing at myself. I'm like, I just did what everyone does. I made it to be about me. 
Yeah. Instead of <laughs> we're riding, we you know we ride down these hills and we come out in this open field, and I'm like I would never my my five year old would never have this experience of riding to this place a view of a lake. Yeah. And we were just cruising, and mm-hmm. he was like you know he was going as fast as he could. He was racing, and we're just like cruising along. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't even it wasn't even about the ride. It was about him having that experience, mm-hmm. and that's the part that. You know, I think once we get that aligned a little bit, that it would be a little more accepted. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of back to that whole, they're little, they're kids. You know, yeah. we want to provide that. This whole in the intermediate piece is a little, got to figure it out, you know, uh-huh. like how we present it to everybody. Okay, so today we're here, uh, obviously, to uh, debut the licensed KTM and Husqvarna products. Um, when you got up there and gave that little speech, I, I Soloing motion for me, I think, because it's like full circle, right? Because you started at KTM and now here we are. So um, I think it's really cool that now, because in this time of COVID and things hard to get, and you know, like one of my best friends owns a bike shop, he's a Stasic dealer, but selling out of everything, right? Well, I think there's probably some rule about a Stasic dealer can't be within so many miles of another one or something and then now there's motorcycle dealers so they carry those bikes right there's more places people can get a stasic and uh on top of that like motocross families can get one that's branded with a motorcycle thing and make it even more like you know cool yeah 100 percent. so yeah it's emotional for me right like mm-hmm. um mike detmers who's been with me on this ride for a while you know was just laughing he's like well it's been happening like every other month lately, you know, so, you know, things are, things have been amazing. Um, still can't quite figure out COVID, how it all works, but, um, you know, there's, we're doing so well, um, in spite of COVID and just, you know, it was real, right? I, I called John, waited for a little bit and my, Hey dude, like, do you think there's a chance? Like, how are we going to get this right? And John was on board, um, you know, with the vision, you know, he's got personal experience with it as well. And then you, then you show up and you get to see, you know, I mean, I, when you work at KTM, right, you spend a lot of hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of hours working right. And I was looking at all the employees and I was like, man, you know, they've, they've crushed it, you know, congrats to, congrats to them and doing it. And for them to come to support us in the vision of it all, um it it does it does come full circle right and mm-hmm. you know i was i was telling people you know my my goal you know to impact this industry is like okay well we can we can be good in our industry but if if only our industry is sharing this product mm-hmm. i don't think i'm having as big an impact as i need to have right and so all the places we're looking at going it's always like well if we go there how are we going to get those people to walk back into a motorcycle dealership Mm -hmm. to start getting comfortable with it right and so riding a stasic will get them along the path of like it's okay to fall down and get Mm -hmm. back up and they'll figure out that that's manageable and then that pw or the e5 or whatever's next Mm -hmm. right isn't such a a stretch anymore right And, and we we take that edge off of everyone's fears of what motorcycling is right because it isn't well, I'm going to ride a motorcycle and I'm going to go race Supercross. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the like the elite guys in the world racing Supercross, right? Yeah. But that's what we, you know, 
as a family, we were doing the same thing, going, well, if we were, you know, Brandy's looking at me like, well, if he rides now, he's going to race Supercross. I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, my best memories of racing were with my dad, Yeah. you know, like driving to the track with my dad and just talking to him, you know, that, that was where I, I want to get to. So as we establish, you know, a good footprint in the industry, if we can figure out how to get into the mass market, and we're going to be super selective of where we go because I want that same mentality of, you know, independence and um, kind of like-mindedness, but not necessarily people who would be interested in a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. How do we go get that little group and point them to a dealership, get them into the industry, introduce them to a track or a trail, mm-hmm. right? Um, again, for the whole purpose of creating new motorcycle riders. Yeah. Um, you know, that's trying to give back to you know what the industry's given to me so mm-hmm. yeah it's uh cool as uh my buddy bj burns mm-hmm. i saw on his instagram story like oh i my daughter just went to the 16 so the 12's for sale and i saw him at glen hell i go how long did it take you to sell that 12 and he goes like five minutes <laughs> you know they're <laughs> like hot yeah. commodity yeah yeah, yeah. no That's it's neat. you know there's yeah there, there's always things that we'd love to make make better mm-hmm. um i'm super I would love to get, you know, as we grow and get some, get our sourcing a little bit more solidified, but try and bring the prices down to, to get those people in on the, especially Mm -hmm. on that entry level one. Um, But it's, if you could express the value that, you know, those of us who have it now. You can't put a price tag on experience. Right, right. The experiences you're going to have with it. Yeah, and I I don't know how to do that yet, but that's, you know, because I was questioning it in 2016 is like, Dude, that's a lot of money. Like we got. But four going kids. back to that, yeah. we look at how much is a stroller, yeah, and how much is an iPad. Yeah. Get rid of those two and buy a Stasic. Right. And so when yeah. we, I think that's when we met um, Control. We were yep. selling. I posted a stroller for sale on Facebook. I didn't need it anymore because yep. both my boys could go run with me while mm-hmm. I was running, and they were on their Stasics. I yeah. had this little. There's six strollers mile loop. that cost as much as a Stasic. Oh, I, oh I, think twice I, all, I think I bought all of them yeah. once. <laughs> We have a few kids. Yeah. Um, no, six is six hundred dollars is not expensive for a stroller anymore, sadly. Yeah. Um, but what you drop on that? So if you're going to the park, don't bring the stroller on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Bring a Stasic. Yeah. I mean, it, moms that work out. We work. Shannon and I. You know, John Hines' wife. We worked out together at Fit Camp together in Harveston. Mm-hmm. And some kids are sitting there, and Robbie and Julia are on their Striders, and and then when they progress, it's when you look at the grand scheme of things. Yes, it's a lot of money but also remove some of those other things that are expensive mm-hmm. and give them the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they can play iPads all day long and I don't know how much experience comes from that, which is fine. You know, there's a love hate with that, but the experience of writing yeah. and getting your kid out there and yeah. then yeah. them just playing and then making friends. And his favorite video is these two boys that met at a park and, <sighs> and, and they're laughing because they went and raced each other to the end. And, and it's like, that's the experience you want. How mm-hmm. ma- how can they just meet at a park and, oh, hey, you have one too. And, yeah. and then go ride together. You yeah. know, that's where the price is. Yes, it's, it's a chunk when you, you know, go to spend it, but the experience that comes from it and then mm-hmm. the years of them riding it. Years mm-hmm. of enjoyment and the, and the resale value it holds, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey guys, thanks for, uh, thanks for sitting with me here in, in the van at Paula Raceway. Fox thanks for having us. Yep, thanks but, for having uh, us. man, what a, uh, what an amazing adventure it's been for you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as I, as I said, I was bragging about knowing you to, uh, to my neighbor and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to see the success you're having with this. And, uh, 
uh, thank you for uh, ensuring the future of this sport that uh, we all survive in, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, you know, the industry's been great. The media's been great to us. So, you know, I want to say, you know, big thanks to everyone. It's We're super appreciative of everything that, you know, the response has been. Um, you know, I don't even know how you write this story out on paper ahead of time, you know. Like, it's it's been surreal and crazy and... Um, we're blessed and trying to trying to give as much back as we can. Awesome. Yep. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the uh, Swap Moto podcast presented by Fly Racing. I'm Don Maeda signing off for uh, Ryan and Brandy Brandy Ragland. Thank you for listening. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet.